Plastics is an SBE sponsored podcast. Hey, girl. Oh, hey, look at you with your Corona cut. I know. <laughs> so for those of you that weren't watching the live feed, I let my nine-year-old daughter cut my hair this weekend. Love it. Bangs were not intended, um, but I'm I'm really trying to rock this um, party look throughout all of my um, business attire. So I mean, listen. When aren't Corona bangs appropriate? Question I have. <laughs> I'm just really worried because I told her, I promised her that, that she could trim my bangs, which we'll see. I don't know if baby bangs would work with your hair, but you know, we'll find out. <laughs> it was, it will, it's just going to be like a, cla- a poof. Like a That's okay. I, I hope you have a lot of scarves or headbands or something. You know, I do. You I know. know. I do. Great. Well, I have, I have one right here, but it's crazy that I'm not wearing a scarf today. I wanted to wear my... My nice big plastic necklace today. You didn't go bolo? Come on, man. I Well, when I asked you what you were wearing, you didn't mention the bolo. I sent you a picture. But I was on a, me- I was on a call. I was on a meeting. Fine. Fine. I'm out here on my own. No, it was actually, it was, so I, w- I had a meeting like right up until this. And, uh, and then I pick up my phone and it's like, I had like 30 new messages from you. Yes. That God, happens. Yes. So. Which I usually love, but when, yeah, anyway. <laughs> you still did. <laughs> so, so anyway. anyway. Podcast sponsored by SPE called Plast Chicks. That's us. Mm-hmm. Uh, today is Earth Day, which. Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. And um, so we decided to bring on someone very Earth Day-esque. Is that, that's the right phrase? I'm just yeah, oh, so it's a, it's a new phrase now. They're putting their ads. The buttons should be here soon. Yeah. Um, so today we have uh, Sarah Harbaugh from Green Dot. And um, she, I, I have a little experience with her company. They do a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of cool um, filled materials. So um, let's bring Sarah on. Yay. Sarah. <laughs> Well, good morning. Thanks for uh, thanks for the invite, ladies. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy Earth Day, Sarah. Yeah. Same to the two of you. Seems, uh, as Lindsay said, quite fitting. Yes. And I mean, you guys do have trees in the background or plants, at least. I guess not trees. I just have a, a barren field with sunshine. So... Well, sorry, I didn't get in the scene. You a, send you a plant to fill, uh, <laughs> fill in the space there. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Green Dot. Well, for uh, so I'm the sales and marketing director at Green Dot Bioplastics. Um, the company was founded nine years ago in 2011. So we're a Kansas-based bioplastics manufacturer. Um, and when it comes to bioplastics, we make both bio-based as well as compostable uh, polymers. Um, originally the company was founded around a compostable elastomer. And then over the last nine years through R and D, um, and a variety of technical developments, we've added the biocomposites, which you had mentioned filled materials, um, as well as then rigid compostable materials to kind of round out that product offering. Pretty cool stuff. Very cool. So coming up, do you guys have any big plans for the, um, for the 10 year celebration? 
So far, we do not yet have plans. Um, and uh, yeah, as we all know today, um, there are a lot of plans that uh, get changed pretty frequently with uh, unexpected events. So um, hopefully that will, uh, we will all be able to gather in and really celebrate that being a pretty big event. So, Or you could just have some pretty epic quarantinis on Zoom. That's true. You could always do that. <laughs> this, this is true. Lindsay said you guys were doing this. I have not, uh, I have not seen this occur yet, so I may have to check this out. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention who we, yeah. So I'm Mercedes Lindazri. That's Apple. And we, our podcast, as I started to say, is fine. Like, We've only done this for four weeks now. Three it's weeks wherever now. you, wherever you find your podcast, you can listen to us. Um, it's sponsored by SPE. So you can also go to the four SPE.org slash podcasts. Um, and then in addition, every weeknight during, uh, during the social distancing, we're, we're doing quarantinis with each other at eight central nine Eastern. Um, Better. Sorry for that. So getting back on track here. So Sarah, um, what is, um, uh, what, what's, what's Green Dot's scope? Uh, how, how big have you guys grown to and who are your ideal partners? So scope wise, um, as I mentioned, I mean, we're based in Kansas, so we certainly worked with a lot of companies geographically close to us. Uh, Kansas is not, does not have a tremendous plastics presence, uh, but we certainly have a number of an injection molders that we work with locally. But at the same time, the majority of calls that we're fielding are, you know, international calls. So that ranges from, you know, big name companies with huge sustainability initiatives uh, down to startup entrepreneurs that have a concept for a new product. They're starting a brand new company and they have decided that if they're going to make their product out of plastic, they want to do it with something that's bio-based or has a little bit lighter environmental footprint. So it really, really runs the gamut um, from company size, uh, product markets, as well as then, of course, like I said, geographically, uh, we talk to people around the world. So every day is interesting, that's for sure. So would you, uh, I mean, if, if you can share percentage-wise, what percentage is going to, to Europe? Um, I would say actually um, Europe is probably smaller than say, um, we, we also talk to a lot of companies who are really interested in doing their manufacturing in the United States, if at all possible. Um, so to answer your question, the, the percentage to Europe is fairly small, um, mm -hmm. but we work with a lot of companies that actually do have manufacturing in Asia. Um, mm -hmm. And we've worked with a couple of our companies that were doing all or most of their manufacturing in Asia. We're interested in reshoring that um, and through some of our relationships with local injection molders, being able to help them make that make that move. So mm -hmm. that's that's exciting. I, I guess I asked specifically about Europe because it seems that um, bioplastics seem to be a um, much bigger piece of the sustainability puzzle in Europe than they do in the U.S. Do you think that that's that's changing now? It's not changing. I think certainly Europe is much farther ahead of the U.S. Uh, when it comes to, um, you know, bioplastic adoption, um, both from a material standpoint, as well as the end of life. What are some of the collection options, whether that is, um, you know, having a more active sorting process, um, 
there's more access to composting. Um, so they're certainly far, much farther ahead than we are in the U.S. But at the same time, that also then gives us a good opportunity to be able to look at what they're doing as we figure out within the U.S. how how do we tackle this and you know what 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 can we what can we learn from them? So you know you're you said you spend. Um, Sometime with like startup companies looking for something that they, you know, believe is bioplastics, uh, something along those lines, or they want something along those lines. You know, I think there's a lot of people who misunderstand bioplastics and like biodegradable plastics. Do you have to spend your time doing a lot of education on the front or the people coming to you kind of already aware of what they what they're looking for? And that, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is there is a lot of confusion between, you know, those two attributes of the materials. And what makes it even more confusing is some materials are actually both and others are not. So, yes, um, we spend a lot of time. That's usually the first part of the, the discussion is, you know, are you looking for something bio-based? Are you looking for something compostable? you know, or do you know, you know, what, what's your, <laughs> right. and, you know, wh- which one of those types of sustainability message really brings value to the product that, that you're trying to, to manufacture. Um, and so we have those, co- those conversations with the people that call in on a daily basis. And from a company standpoint, um, we feel like as we're putting out, you know, content and information, the things on our website, social media, um, those also have a twofold value of also being able to, you know, provide some education broadly about the materials mm-hmm. because the next step is consumers better understanding all of these differences. Uh, it's a big enough challenge for, you know, companies that have sustainability goals and are really trying to make, you know, great decisions. But if they do that and the person buying their product doesn't understand what the difference is, there, there's a whole nother uh, level of education and, and part of that value is lost if the consumer doesn't realize why it matters. Right. That's a great point. So are you um, are you engaged in marketing activities or, or um, broader educational activities to educate the general public? On a limited scope, I mean, we certainly don't have a, you know, uh, bio bioplastics uh, university program set up or something like that. But we, we need one. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not taking that on yet. So, uh, <laughs> but we, we do feel like there is that component about trying to educate people in general, because the better understanding everyone has you know, the more progress that makes for, for everyone trying to use these new materials. Um, but yeah, uh, all of that. And, and as we're all aware, there's a lot of, um, you know, plastics have a negative image in general right now for whether, whether it's bioplastics or traditional plastics. Um, so again, being able to bring some value to that conversation that, you know, plastics are not bad. They bring a tremendous amount of value to our lives. And for the general consumer, they're, I mean, I remember before I started at, at Green Dot and started into plastics, um, I mean, I was certainly far less aware of, you know, or I certainly paid far less attention to to how plastics are everywhere in our lives and which plastics do what for us and, and what those benefits are. 
Yeah, we were actually just talking about that last night. Um, just over some quarantinis. Yeah, during our quarantinis, my sister sent us a, a fill in the blank quiz, and it was what are the weirdest things you've seen in plastics? And um, we were talking about how, you know, as people in the industry, we're not necessarily looking at things and thinking, oh, that's weird. Because um, I, I feel like we're always kind of looking for it and being like, oh, that's that's a great idea, or I'm glad somebody did that, but not necessarily striking us as weird because we're used to it. But I was talking to my sister after, and she was like, she's like, oh no, there are some really weird stuff like uh, like the wovens and stuff like that for PPE. We no idea, so tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you mentioned you know um, Sarah, you know you're learning more about the different types of plastics and and not being exposed to that. I, you know, four years ago when I came into the industry, same, just completely same boat. You had a, a humanities background. You, you majored in history and then um, business. You got your master's um, after, but um, I believe, but so, but did you, well, first, did you have a specific focus in history? Well, I actually started out in business administration um, and, you know, as we all know, you have to take your electives and I took history electives and really enjoyed it and then ended up, you know, focusing on that, graduated with that first and then came back to finish the business portion of the, of my degree. But, um, for the most part, the history was, was pretty general. I mean, everything from ancient history, you know, Egyptology to, um, Military history was actually pretty fascinating to me, not the part about, uh, you know, armaments and deployments, but more uh, the social impacts that conflicts like big military, um, you know, World War One, World War Two, kind of the social impacts and the technology drive mm-hmm. and development that you see because airplanes. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> or, you know, plastics. Or, yeah, plastics is another good example. Um, and, I mean, even today, we, we're all facing a pretty significant challenge right now. And you see all the scientists um, and laboratories really focused in putting all their resources towards trying to find, you know, improved testing methods, more effective testing mes- methods. Uh, but but that is an example of really how, you know, how the, that type of conflict impacts overall society. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love it. So history, uh, a degree in history, a degree in business administration. How did you come into plastics? I um, did not do this intentionally. It was very much a, a, a stumble. Does not everyone do that intentionally? Um, I did. <laughs> very, very much a stumble into the industry. I mean, honestly, you know, we all see plastics everywhere, but unless you know somebody that works in plastics or, you know, live in an area where that where plastics manufacturing is you know, more predominant, you don't really think about this. Um, so I, uh, I was working for a telecommunications company, actually, I sold telephone systems and voicemail. Uh, so business to business sales. Uh, and Green Dot was opening, you know, being founded here uh, in the community. And I saw an ad in the paper um, and thought, well, wow, this seems pretty interesting. Uh, so applied and, and was hired. So really very much, uh, this, this was not a well thought out plan of joining the plastics industry. Love it. <laughs> um, and a tremendous learning curve, of course, as well. Um, but in some ways, having entered in the field of bioplastics, 
there are some advantages to that because you don't come in with a preconceived set of ideas about what and what is and what is not possible. Um, I would certainly say, you know, having the education in a plastics, you know, program certainly would be valuable, <laughs> but uh, I've also had a lot of great resources of people, you know, from the industry over the years to ask questions and and learn a lot about both materials as well as manufacturing. So. Like SPE, another great resource. A little plug there. Boom. <laughs> yes, actually, when I when I did join, so um, I was super excited about this. I signed up for SPE as soon as I found out that it existed. Um, drove the two hours up to the Kansas chapter meetings. Uh, Love it. Once a month or so at the beginning. Um, we don't have a particularly active chapter uh, right now. Um, I didn't let my membership lap for a few years, so I want to be completely transparent about that. Uh, but oh, we got to cancel uh, this. This it's done. Don't worry, I, I did renew it, so I, I am I am I am back on the membership rolls. Although I, it occurs to me, I think it was about this time last year, so I probably need to make sure that my dues aren't <laughs> aren't due. It's so much easier right to renew now. You can do it online, like click through. It's, it's I know. So easy. Yeah. So, um, but the other thing that it has occurred to me as well is, you know, being able to, you know, all the folks at Antec moving all of this online, you know, very quickly. Uh, this is my first Antec. So that's, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> um, but being able to do it in this type of format, you know, maybe, maybe that would be a good option for, um, you know, SPE chapters that are, you know, pretty geographically spread out right. or, um, you know, whatever the case might be to, to get a little bit more, you know. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, the Northwest Pennsylvania chapter that I'm uh, a member of and we have a pretty good concentration of people, but, um, you know, we have people that are like 40, 45 minutes away. And if it's a October, November meeting in Erie, Pennsylvania, it's probably snowing. They're probably not coming. And, you know, we don't, we're not quite as extreme as like a Kansas <laughs> spread there, but, um, yeah, the, having another option, like something like this is pretty cool. Um, and I, oh, sorry. I just got distracted by my, my phone going off. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, with, um, not that bioplastics is trendy, but if we're going to pick something trendy in plastics, it's probably bioplastics, or at least it's up there with things that people talk about. Um, I know when you and I were talking, Sarah, you know, if we're interviewing someone that's in injection molding, we're probably going to get some injection molding people, but maybe not necessarily a broader audience. If we do uh, bioplastics, we might get a little bit of a broader audience because a lot of people um, are interested in that right now. Um, do you see the trend continuing? Are you guys, um, you know, kind of pushing the envelope on what you can do? Or do you see people starting to push bioplastics into more of like a mainstream, you know, uh, 10 years in the future, we're going to be like, oh, we're talking to someone in bioplastics. And they'll be like, that's like talking to someone in polyethylene, like snore. Um, I think, I think it will take a while before, before it, it's not of interest anymore. So, um, bioplastic, when we look at, you know, sustainability in general and the plastics industry and, you know, improving both, you know, raw material feedstocks, this entire waste problem, um, mm -hmm. that everybody is talking about. And there are lots of great 
you know, initiatives about how to address that. Recycling, of course, is, is a big one. I mean, that's a great place uh, to start. It doesn't solve the whole problem. Um, compostable plastics aren't going to solve the whole problem either, you know, so it's really going to take um, a number of different strat- strategies and a lot of material development um, to, to really have an impact on the waste problem. Um, I mean, right now, from a from a research uh, standpoint um, and bio-based chemistry, so right now there there are companies uh, like Braskem selling traditional polyethylene, right, very similar to polyethylene, but derived from a plant-based feedstock. Um, I think there's technology developments like that 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 will continue far into the future. Um, I mean, think about, you know, at some point having bio-based feedstocks for things like, you know, every nylon that's available. Or, I mean, there are people actively now working on bio-based options for, uh, you know, polypo- polypropylene. So the, this is not something that's going to go away. There's lots of development, lots of areas um, to be worked on. And because there are two two components there, the part about the feedstocks being bio-based, plant-based, um, as well as then the end-of-life part and different materials biodegrading and breaking down differently, um, different shelf life for different types of products. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of work that will continue continue to be done. So then we could just have you on every year, keep it trendy. <laughs> Well, you should probably ask somebody else because this is, you know, I, I might get kind of boring, uh, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think absolutely. And I will say in listening to a couple of the presentations over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, there have been a number of presenters throughout Antec that have been talking about different sustainability initiatives, um, both there again from the front end of life and raw materials, as well as in the disposal piece of it. Um and, and it's great to hear and see all of those different perspectives because, you know, if if, if we already had an answer to the problem, presumably we'd we'd be you know, right, we'd be doing that. But um, yeah, certainly certainly a lot of uh, time and research and uh, an effort to to continue the the challenge. So so um, it, it's funny you mentioned like you see a lot of the papers. So. Um, Fun fact, my very first Antec was in Milwaukee when I was a student and um, I was supposed to present a paper, but because of my co-op, it kind of messed with my timing, long story, blah, blah. I wasn't presenting a paper. So the only thing I had to do at Antec as like a requirement of going as a student was I had to, uh, back in the old days, students had to usher sessions, uh, depended on like what the moderator wanted, but sometimes it was like, you know, handout, whatever, whatever. And my moderator, people asking questions, things like that. Yeah. And so, um, mine was, I had to turn the lights on and turn the lights off whenever, um, there was a, you know, presentation on presentation off type thing. And, um, my, I switched with another student and my session ended up being, um, wood filled fiber materials. And I remember thinking like, what? Like, what even is this? And I just, no offense to the papers back then, it wasn't my favorite session, um, but I was just so uneducated and it was only one tiny little session. Um, and now, like you're saying, you see papers kind of 
you know, spread throughout. There's a whole dedicated session. Um, it's crazy to see the growth since, you know, my Antec some number of years ago. Side note, I think it would be really cool if we brought the kind of usher thing back for local, maybe high school students and they could act like, you know, like how in mass, like where it's like the, you ring the bell when it's the important part of the presentation. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Wake up. This is the real important part. Just kind of find a bunch so of like people. Scott, Sue, if we can get that going for, for next. We would appreciate it. Um, uh, so, so Sarah, um, back to you, Sarah. <laughs> So um, what uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that, that you're facing right now at Green Dot? I think the majority of them we probably already covered. I mean, the plastics in general, having a negative image um, doesn't bode well for us either. Um, it is interesting. Periodically, we have people call and they say, well, we've got this new product and we don't want to use plastic. And my first thought is, and why did you right. plastics company? Uh, so then, and of course, you know, I don't say that, but, um, but the idea that with all the confusion around, you know, is something still a plastic, even if it's derived from something other than petroleum, um, you know, that, that, that level of confusion and, you know, this is compostable, but where is it going to break down and isn't going to disappear tomorrow? And so I would say the the majority of it is that whole component about education. You know, what do these terms mean? What do they, how do they benefit, you know, the end consumer? Um, But in the middle of that is also navigating all of that with brand owners, as well as, you know, all of their manufacturing partners, such as, you know, injection molders and extruders and film converters um, to figure out, okay, how do we implement the sustainable material? Mm-hmm. And then also be able to convey that, that value and message all the way to the consumer when there's so much confusion about what these materials are. So I, yeah. I would say probably the, the, the biggest challenge. Uh, I know I get a lot of like targeted ads for like um, non-plastics. What were they? cell phone cases, phone cases or always, yeah. something else and they're plastic and I oh I I always like screenshot it and I send it to Mercedes and then I just rage text she about rages. like well <sighs> like I said I got 30 texts from her earlier like if she's not a rage text day yeah no <laughs> yeah it's I mean this is like it's it's next level text walls but um but what about maybe sir maybe you know a little bit about this I heard that Oregon which is where my my um dad and stepmom live uh, and, and one of the few places in, in the United States that has um, uh, commercial composting, industrial composting available um, to the general public. Uh, I heard that they're, they said that they're no longer accepting um, like bamboo field. Did you hear about this? Um, there, you kind of broke up a little bit. They're no longer accepting bamboo filled material. Uh, yeah, yeah, for, for composting. Because I know that bamboo had been a, a, a hot hot commodity for a while, seen as this really uh, sustainable um, source, but now Oregon is rejecting bamboo field. Are you familiar with this? Um, I can't say that I'm familiar specifically with, with a bamboo filled material, um, but kind of to that point, um, I know there are a lot of commercial composters that do 
I mean, one, they're operating a business, right? So they're they're taking this waste, composting it. And in many cases, the compost that they end up making, they then in turn rebag and sell that to landscape companies or, you know, the general public working on their flower bed or, or whatever the case might be. So they have, they have a, a standard and level of quality for the product they're producing. And if you end up with some material or components that don't break down properly within the right time frame, that ultimately becomes a contaminant within their compost. Um, so, again, not being specifically familiar with this, uh, with with the uh, incident you're asking about, my assumption would be it probably fits in that category, though. That you know, they were taking this thinking that it would it would work, and perhaps within that uh, composting time frame, it didn't break down as quickly as they wanted to, and and that caused some issues within the product that, that they're trying to make and sell. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable. They need to really evaluate what can go into their process. Um, and again, that's, that's another example of one of the things that's challenging when it comes to compostable materials is um, you do have to think about the environment and the conditions in which they will break down. I mean, that's, that's why we have ASTM standards, right? Um but that also presents part of the challenge too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, so what are, go ahead, Lindsay. Well, I was going to say slightly unrelated, um, but love it. It'll semi-related. Where we go with this? Um, <laughs> word on the street is you are a beekeeper, and I know it's api apiary apiarius i but i knew i was gonna say something like like i've heard some buzz there was some buzz what a missed opportunity um so my question is do you have because my dad used to keep bees way back in the day um like before i was even a critter and uh he had all like the old wood frame stuff my question is has that changed? Are you using, is there any plastic that goes into beekeeping? And this might be a super ignorant question. I don't keep bees, so I don't know. Um, well, the buzz is correct. I, I do have bees. Um, this is certainly a hobby. I am not an expert. Um, but all of the majority of the equipment I still use is still wooden-based. Um, but there are actually a lot of options uh, for different uh, hive components that now are plastic so yes there there has been a, a transition there um to include a lot more plastic uh, depending upon how you manage your hives and uh, in your preference so how did you get into that how did you how did you start beekeeping um I probably stumbled it into it kind of like plastics there again. Uh, you know, just an interesting. You. Huh? There we go. Thing. Uh, no. Anyway, there, you know, there, there's all sorts of information and, you know, concern about pollinator habitats and uh, the plight of bees, not just honeybees, but, you know, bees and different types of insects in general. Uh, so, yeah, it seemed, seemed like an interesting uh, activity. I didn't know anything about it. Um, we have a pretty active beekeeper group, uh, locally actually. So went to, went to a meeting or two and 
tried a couple of hives. It's a, it's definitely a fascinating hobby. Well, like just, this should be a call to action to um, all of the Kansas um, plastics uh, professionals. How is it that the SPB is like more, (laughs) that doesn't even make sense, but, but they, I mean, if you, you know, that's an active community, we should, we should really get more active in Kansas. (laughs) But um, so, so on the flip side, you know, we, we asked about like, what are the challenges now? So on the flip side, what are what are the most um, what are the like the newest most exciting projects you're you're working on right now? If you're if you're able to talk about them, um, the probably the, the most exciting thing for us. So uh, to date in the company, the majority of uh, applications and materials that and, and companies that we've been working with have really been around more durable um, consumer facing goods. So things within lawn and garden space, furniture, children's toys, um, and for the most part, you know, probably a bigger focus on biocomposite materials. But uh, over the last couple of years and really our next big jump um, will be to single-use disposable uh, type applications where, you know, compostable materials really bring a lot of value. If something's only going to be used once, um, and specifically, I mean, there again, like uh, food service applications are, are a great example. You, know, you go to uh, a baseball game or uh, a school cafeteria or a hospital cafeteria, a, a convention center, something like that. You know, you have a pretty closed area of, you know, food use and all that waste has to be disposed. So, you know, if all of the utensils and things that were coming into contact with that food could all just go into the food in with the food waste to be composted, um, you know, that that's a great application in which compostable plastic brings a lot of value. Uh, so that's, um, that's, that's our next big focus. Um, I don't know how many people think that talking about films is super exciting, <laughs> but uh, then, then that's the area we're headed in. And we are really excited about it. So, so how are you, I mean, are you guys, uh, uh, how are you certifying the the um, uh, environmental aspects? So like biodegradability and compostability, are you self-certifying or are there, are there external um, certifications that you're getting for this kind of stuff? The, um, I mean, we of course go through and do a wide variety of testing internally um, to to measure performance. Uh, But at the end of the day, there are certainly, um, you know, third party standards when it comes to to compostability. So in the U.S., that's an ASTM standard. Uh, ASTM D6400 is the the primary standard. Um, Europe has one that's quite similar. and uh, I believe both China, China and Japan have slightly different standards, but for the for the most part, they're they're pretty con- they're they're pretty standardized. Uh, but certainly, that third party third third party validation is is absolutely critical. All right. It looks like we're. I think we're. I took my watch off because it was buzzing. Um, but I think we're right on our our time. Um, so we want to thank you, Sarah, for, uh, joining us today. Uh, it was a great talk, great earth day talk. Uh, we, we covered bees, we covered biomaterials and we got plants in the background. I don't see how we went wrong. Well, plants in some backgrounds, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Right. 
told you I have the sun. That doesn't happen in Erie all the time. So you're welcome. <laughs> so, and I will say a quick uh, congratulations to the two of you. I believe uh, this month is the one year anniversary of the podcast. Is Am I remembering that correct? Oh, I don't know. What month is it? I'm lost. It's, uh, well, it's April. And I think I think oh, yeah. we started off in Antech last year, right? We did. So our first episode would have released in April. Well, thank you. Thanks for remembering our anniversary thank that we you. did. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah Harbaugh, thank you so much. Um, and look forward to seeing uh, seeing more of, of uh, Green Dot Bioplastics and, and uh, the industry news. All right. Well, thanks for having me. See ya. If you've got a question, the voices are resonant. I hear. Oh, plastics. <laughs>